0: Good morning, friends. How are you? So good to see you. My name is Jason, and I serve as an assistant pastor here. And it is a true honor to share God's Word with you this morning. In this day and age, we all have our favorite shows that we love to stream, right? On Netflix, on Amazon Prime, if you're a Hulu fan. And I'm not, honestly, I'm not one for, like, marathoning shows and binge-watching a lot of stuff. But I have recently found my kryptonite. And it's a spin-off show from pawn stars called "American Restoration." You may have heard of it. And it centers around this guy's name named Rick Dale, who owns a restoration shop in Las Vegas, Nevada. And what happens is is these owners of these like really sentimental, you know, old pieces, will come into his shop and drop it off and entrust him to restore their prized possessions. These things are typically passed down from generation to generation, and it lands in these new owners' hands, and they want to restore these uh, valuable pieces to them. And uh, Vicky and I's favorite part of the show is during the unveiling. So the owners come back maybe after a few weeks or even months after, they, after the shop uh, puts so much work into it, and Rickdale rolls out their new uh, restored items, and there's a black veil that covers them. And he counts down from three down to one, and the owners are just eagerly anticipating, waiting to watch what their new uh, what their pieces look like now fully restored. And when he gets down to one, he unveils it, and you see the shock. And the expression and the joy on these owners' faces, seeing their really old items fully restored. And not just on the outside, they're fully restored from the inside as well. They're old, dilapidated pieces that were once rusty and the paint falling off, and even uh, pieces of them are missing. They have found them and fully restored these old items into fully restored items. It's so cool. Restorative work is what Rick and his team do. At American restoration. It's, it's what they're known for. It's why they're in business. And these people trust them to restore their items. And this morning, we're going to look at a text and a story that's all about kindness, but also about the restorative work that that kindness brings. We're going to see how David's kindness, King David, what his kindness can teach us about the nature of God's kindness. This week, we're in week six of a study that Pastor David just said called God's King. And we're studying the life of David. And today, we're going to be looking at the story of a guy's name. It's kind of hard to pronounce, but his name is Mephibosheth. And how David's extraordinary kindness completely restores and transforms his life. So let's dive into the text this morning. We're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And let me quickly set the stage with where we're at in David's life. So Saul, the previous king, and his son Jonathan have died. And David becomes king. He's anointed king. And then the Ark of the Covenant is brought back to Jerusalem. And God makes a covenant with David, which basically secures his kingdom and throne for the future. And you know what? To top things off, King David and his army are winning battle after battle. They're seeing victory after victory. So in short, David's life is going really well, really, really well right now. And here's where we pick up the story now in chapter nine, starting with verse one. And David said, is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And then the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And then the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? Ziba said to the king, There is still the son of Jonathan. He's crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He's in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And then King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, who is the son of Saul, came to David and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And then David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father. And you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? It's clear here that David was the grateful recipient of God's blessing and kindness in his life. Because just a few short chapters before this, in chapter 7, David prays this prayer of thanks to God. Because God has showered him with kindness and favor. And we see here that David desires to extend that extraordinary kindness of God upon a survivor of Saul's lineage. And there's a kingdom principle that I want to share with you here this morning that I really want us to set in our hearts. And it's this, that the purpose of God's blessing is to flow to us and then through us. That God's blessing is meant to flow to us and not just stay with us, but then flow through us. When Pastor Vicki and I started attending Trinity about 11 years ago, it's crazy, it seems like just yesterday, right? We met a guy uh, probably on one of the first Sundays that we were here, and his name, if you probably remember him, is Lee Conway. Lee Conway is such a kind, gentle, generous man uh, who's now with the Lord But Vicki and I would sit right over there on the left side, and we would sit directly in front of Lee. And almost every time that we met Lee, he would bless us and pray God's blessing over us. He would hug us, and oftentimes he would shake my hand. And when I would let go of that handshake, more often than not, I found a $20 bill in my hand. He always blessed us. He always gave us what we call a Pentecostal handshake. A lot of times he would give us uh, gift cards to restaurants, too. And uh, he would whisper these words in my ear away from Vicki. He would say, take your wife out on a nice date bring her out for a coffee you know spend some time with her and things like that you know lee conway he absolutely loved his family he did he treasured his family but he loved jesus a lot and he let god's blessing flow to him and he let it flow through him as well so this morning we're going to examine the kindness of david which is going to reveal a lot about god's nature and his kindness Which leads to three areas of restoration in our life. What we're going to look to this morning. And the first one that I want to share with you is this. God's kindness restores our shame to honor. God's kindness restores our shame to honor. Mephibosheth is a man who is absolutely shamed. He's disabled. He's crippled. He's lame in both of his feet. He's unable to walk. And he's also no longer in the family lineage of royalty because uh, the king of Judah was stripped from his grandfather Saul. So now this family is no longer in the line of royalty. And we catch a glimpse of just how shamed he is when he pays homage to David in this text, right? And he refers to himself as what? We just read it. He calls himself a dead dog. Mephibosheth thinks nothing of himself thinks nothing of his life he's a man of shame and his name Mephibosheth the latter half of that Bosheth literally when translated from the Hebrew to the English it means shame this guy has shame in his name he has no self-worth and if you think about it if you think about his life it's pretty awful he's a nobody So now with the kingdom of Judah stripped from his lineage, he most likely doesn't even have anything to attribute to his name. No money, no wealth, no status, no home, no anything. But David here, he commands that Mephibosheth would receive all of his grandfather's estate, all of the previous king Saul's estate, which is everything. It's land it's crops, it's livestock, it's money, it's his treasure, gold, silver, and even his servants are passed on and now given fully to Mephibosheth. Immediately, a man of nothing now has what? Everything. Now has everything. Every single thing that Saul once had is now Mephibosheth's because David desired to extend his kindness to Mephibosheth. But the question that we need to answer is why? Why would David do something like that? It's because of this. God lavished his kindness upon David, and David wanted to honor the covenant that he made with Jonathan, who is Saul's son, who David deeply, deeply loved. And how do we know that? Well, in verse 1 of our text here this morning, King David said this. He says, Is there still anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show kindness for Jonathan's sake? So that covenant he met, uh, made with Jonathan, he wanted to honor. But you know what? It wasn't Jonathan's kindness that he wanted to extend to Mephibosheth. No. In verse 3, it says this. Is there still not someone in the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of who to? Of God. He wanted to show God's kindness to Mephibosheth. You know, God's kindness is, is completely different than our kindness, right? Right? Many times our kindness that we extend to somebody comes with a condition, and it comes with like a transaction. A lot of times we'll say, well, I'll be kind to this person. I'll show kindness to the person only if they show appreciation for my kindness. Or I'll extend kindness to somebody if they express kindness back to me or give me something back. I'll give them something if they give me something back. And it better be good, right? It better not be cheap. And husbands, husbands, we sometimes do this with our wives, don't we? right? Be honest, we do. I've done it with Vicky. I've, I've said, hey, honey, you can watch anything what you want to watch on Netflix tonight, only if I get to what? Watch what I want to watch after, which are obviously the three best shows on reality television right now on streaming platforms, which are American Restoration, Top Shot, and Alone. Have you guys seen them? So good. Check them out. But our kindness, but God's kindness, it's a different type of kindness. You know why? Because God's kindness is Unconditional. It's undeserved kindness that he gives to us. It's a selfless type of kindness. It's, it's compassionate. It's extravagant. And most of all, guess what it is? It's restorative kindness. It restores us, and it restores our honor. God's kindness restores our honor. And with a few short commands that we see in our text this morning, David has now elevated Mephibosheth from a no one, from a place of shame now to a place of honor. To To where? To the king's royal table where he's going to dine not just for a day, not just for a few weeks, not even just for a few years, but for the rest of what? His life. He's going to be seated with royalty, no longer an outsider, no longer an outcast anymore, but someone who is considered and included. He's going to be eating the most flavorful, the most decadent, the richest food that is really fit for who? For king's. And Mephibosheth is going to be eating that food. He's going to have an abundance, an overflow. And did he ask for this? Did Mephibosheth go to David and say, Hey, can I get some of that? Can I sit at your table? Can I get some of that steak? Can I get some of that curry goat? No. He didn't ask for it. He was a grateful recipient of it. Totally undeserved. And now he has a restored life. His dignity, his his value and worth have been given back to him. And his head now can be held high instead of low low. And in shame. And in the ultimate way, friends, think about this. God will remove your shame and restore you to a place of honor. Because God truly is the ultimate lifter of our heads. And and he doesn't do this as a way of pride for us, but he does this as a reminder of where our help comes from, of where our kindness comes from. And it's from Him. God's kindness restores our honor, or excuse me, our shame to honor. The second thing that we're going to learn here this morning about God's kindness is this, that it restores our brokenness to wholeness. God's kindness restores our brokenness to wholeness. You see, Mephibosheth, he suffered physically from an ailment. He was totally unable to walk. His feet were crippled. And in 2 Samuel chapter 4, just five chapters before our text here this morning, it explains what happened to Mephibosheth that caused him uh, to not be able to walk, and the story goes like this: At five years old, Mephibosheth had a nurse who was holding him, and when she received the news that his grandfather and father, Saul and Jonathan, had passed away, she ran away, and in her haste, Mephibosheth fell. And we don't—it doesn't say like. Well, his legs broke or anything like that, kind of leaves out that detail. But scholars think that what happened was either a spinal injury happened and caused him to be a paraplegic or that his bones broke and then were set in a cast and improperly healed, causing him no longer to be able to walk. But if we pay close attention to this text, we'll see that this detail is talked about twice in chapter 9, which is only 13 verses. And in these 13 verses, this detail about his crippled legs is in there twice. And the question is why? Why is that brought up twice? And it's because of this. Back in that time and back in that culture, if someone was disabled or they were born with a birth defect, they were often immediately labeled as a sinner. And then something even worse happened they were completely ostracized out of the community, no longer being able to be a part of their village or their community or their family. And a New Testament example that I wanted to share with you about this is from the Gospel of John in chapter 9. I want to read verses 1 through 3 that kind of paints a picture of what happens. In verse 1 it says, As he passed by, meaning Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind, attributing it to a sin? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or even his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed. And guess what, friends? We see the works of God displayed here in this Old Testament text in Mephibosheth's life. In that culture, disability really prevented a person from experiencing the same kind of life a fully and healthy individual would experience and it's really tough to imagine that because we personally haven't gone through that but it was culturally the norm back then and that's what even makes this story even more powerful that the broken Mephibosheth he experienced this type of lack in his life due to his lameness but it wasn't just a physical condition that it took on him it was an emotional toll that it took on him as well because being an outcast takes a severe emotional toll on us how many of you have experienced feeling like an outcast one time or another in your life i know that i have and they were just really quick temporary experiences but i remember being in elementary school and in physical education class there were times when we would break up into teams and we would play kickball or dodgeball and i remember being like oh man like I hope I get picked first or get picked at least in the first half or the front half. And at times, I would get picked dead last. And you know what it made me feel like? It made me feel terrible. It made me feel forgotten about. It made me feel just traumatized and humiliated. Those experiences really make you feel unwanted and forgotten about which was understandable at that time because in elementary school, I was kind of chubby, I was slow, I wasn't really athletically gifted, and if you look at me today, you'll kind of notice the same thing about me. Not much has changed, but think about it. Think about Mephibosheth's life. He was a cripple from five years old, living his entire life as an ostracized person of the community. Mephibosheth, though, he wouldn't even have had the privilege to be picked Last, He probably would have loved that at one point in his life, but you know what? He wasn't even considered, never even invited, never even known. Think about it. David didn't even know he existed because they had to search for a surviving member of Saul's family so that David could bless them. He was an island unto himself. He was wasting away, no thought given to Mephibosheth. He truly was a broken man. But look what happens to his life. He's elevated. When kindness was extended to him, his value and his worth and his dignity returned to him. Once what was stripped away from him is now given back. And David's kindness restores him from a broken outsider to an insider who's made new in his heart. And in the ultimate way, friends, God's kindness restores us from a broken outsider the same way to a beloved child who is made whole. And that's what God does for you. My friends, this morning I'm preaching to my heart that God extended kindness to me so that I could be restored from a broken sitter, cut off from God. And my prayer here this morning for myself and for you, from everyone watching and listening, is that you would not just hold on to the kindness of God yourself. That you would really let it flow to you and then through you. That you would be able to extend God's kindness to other people who are desperately in need. Who are you extending God's kindness to? God's kindness restores our brokenness to wholeness. And our last point here this morning is the third area of our life that God restores because of his kindness. And it's this. He restores our rivalry to relationship. He restores our rivalry to relationship. For this section, let me read verses 6 through 7 again. And then I'll jump down to the last part of our text, which is verses 9 through 13. Let's read it. Called Ziba, who is Saul's servant. And he said to him, All that belonged to Saul and to all his house, I have given to your master's grandson, Mephibosheth. And you, your sons, and your servants shall till the land for him, and shall bring in the produce that your master's grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, shall always eat at my table. Now, Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord, the king commands his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table, like who? Like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. And then the detail again. Now he was lame in both of his feet. What a remarkable story of kindness. A man who once had nothing now has everything. God's kindness restores our rivalry to relationship. And here's the deal. In those days of war, it was a super common practice that anyone who was a rival to the throne, that they'd be purged from the kingdom. That's just a really nice way of me to say that they were killed and eliminated as a threat to the throne. So there's a very good reason to believe that's why Mephibosheth he bows down and pays homage to David and calls himself a dead dog when he enters David's presence. But David responds with some kind words, doesn't he? He says this, he says, "Do not fear, for I will show you kindness." And in that moment, I think David probably or excuse me, Mephibosheth probably breathed a huge huge super sigh of relief, right? Because I would think that from the moment that he was summoned into the king's presence, he probably thought what? He was gonna die. He probably thought his life was gonna end. And it was very likely that Mephibosheth knew about his grandfather's rivalry with David. This gesture of kindness was completely countercultural. Mephibosheth could have been proving a rival to the throne. And it was common then, and I think that's even common now, with our kingdoms of our life and in our heart. Being competitive and protecting the potential of like our profits from work, protecting our promotions, protecting our platforms that we all have now, especially with social media, that pride is ingrained in us from birth, and it stems from the sin in our lives. Selfishness and self-promotion. But David's heart here, his motivation isn't that it's to extend kindness to Mephibosheth and to restore to him from a rival to the throne now to a beneficiary of a royal relationship he goes from rival to a relationship with David and his household in verse 11 it says this then Ziba said to the king according to all that my lord the king commands his servant so will your servant do so Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. So at one point of his life, Mephibosheth could have been invited to the king's table to eat potentially because of who his grandfather was, Saul. But that was stripped away from him because he was disabled. And then when King David became king, his place at the table was removed again. But now because of David, Mephibosheth has it all restored to him. Every single bit and more. He gets the privilege and the position to sit at David's table. And as the scripture says, like one of the king's sons. David's kindness restored that royal rivalry now to a rich relationship. And David had no ill will in him when he extended kindness to Mephibosheth because it was an overflow of gratitude to God that flowed out of his heart and spilled over and was extended to Mephibosheth. And now because of this restored relationship, Mephibosheth gets to break bread and he gets to partake in fellowship with David and everyone around the table, glasses in the air, full and overflowing, delicious food in their belly, his heart in his belly full, listening to stories, Right? engaged in deep conversation with all the people around there, becoming friends with people, a relationship restored from the bitterness of a rivalry. What a remarkable story and demonstration of God's grace and kindness in Mephibosheth's life, all written down here. In the ultimate way, God's kindness restores our spiritual rivalry with him because at one point we were separated from sin, separated from God by sin, and now we have the opportunity to be fully restored into a re- deep relationship with God because of Jesus. I'm sure here that uh, there are some of us that might have some broken relationships that are need, in need of restoration in their life. And our hearts might be yearning for a demonstration of this kind of grace and kindness in our life. But sometimes this question poses a challenge for us. Where do I receive that grace from? Where can I receive that kindness from? Where does it come from? And there's hope for you, my friends. It was demonstrated in the life and death and resurrection of Jesus who bore the worst shame a person could endure. He stood falsely accused of a crime that he never even committed, completely innocent. And he was spat upon and endured beating so that we could be seated at the place of honor in heaven where we will one day with Jesus at a table of royalty. His body was broken so that we could be restored and made whole. Our body might be broken. Our mind might feel broken. Our soul could have endured a lot of beating. But we are now fully united to Christ. And to cap things off, We're transferred as a rival to God into a right relationship because of what Jesus has transferred to us, which is his righteousness, my friends. What a gracious and kind God we serve. Friends, as we close this morning, I'd like to pose a question to all of us here. Who are you withholding a deep relationship with? Because maybe a rivalry or a feud has taken a, a place. Maybe a relationship or a marriage is strained. Maybe you've endured a lot of broken relationships in your life. Maybe even with family. But the fact remains is that God blesses us so he can let that blessing flow through us. To not hold on to it and to extend it to somebody else. And so as a response here this morning, I'd like us to come to the altar and even though we're social distance and we're wearing masks and things like that, I want to tell you something. You don't need to come to this altar. You have an altar that you can build right where you're sitting or standing. And I'd like us to respond in song here this morning. And it's a song that we're going to sing. And you might know what it's called, Oh, Come to the Altar. And I'd like us to respond in worship. And as we're singing, I'd like for you to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what relationships do you want to restore in my life? Who is it that you want me extend kindness to, your kindness to? Maybe you've been betrayed and some trust was broken. Maybe there's a wall of pride standing between you and a restored relationship. But I want to let you know, friends, God can break that down. He can tear that down, and he can restore a healthy relationship in your life. Let's sing together.